The Bible Study Podcast, episode 246. Today, the Bible Study Podcast wraps up a study of 1 Samuel. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As you may recall, the death of Saul was foretold in last week's episode, and so that's coming rather quickly. We start today with 1 Samuel 30. David destroys the Amalekites. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and taken captive the women and everything in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, son of Melechek, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake and succeed in the rescue. David and the six hundred men with him came to the Bazor Valley, where some stayed behind. Two hundred of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other four hundred continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. They gave him water to drink and food to eat, part of a cake of pressed figs and two cakes of raisins. He ate and was revived, for he had not eaten any food or drunk any water for three days and three nights. David asked him, To whom do you belong? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me when I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Keratites, some territory belonging to Judah, and the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. He led David down, and there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until evening of the next day, and none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, This is David's plunder. Then David came to the two hundred men who had been too exhausted to follow him, and who were left behind at the Bezor Valley. They came out to meet David and the men with him. As David and his men approached, he asked them how they were. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, Because they did not go out with us, we shall not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the men who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. David made this a statute and ordinance for Israel from that day to this. When David reached Ziklag, he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here's a gift for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. David sent it to those who were in Bethel, Ramath-Negev, and Jatir. 
to those in Aror, Shifmoth, Eshtemoa, and Rakal, to those in the towns of the Jeremalites and the Kenites, and to those in Horma, Borashan, Athak, and Hebron, and to those in other places where he and his men had roamed. You may remember in last week, David and his men are prevented from fighting alongside the Philistines because the leaders of the Philistines say, no, isn't this David? Isn't this David the one who the people used to say has killed his tens of thousands while Saul his thousands? He may get back in the good graces of Saul by betraying us in the middle of the battle. So no, he can't fight with us. So he's prevented from fighting alongside the Philistines. And then they come back home and find out that home is gone. All the wives and the women and children, all of their stuff is gone. And at first, they're going to stone David. They're going to admit defeat. But David inquires of the Lord. David doesn't lose heart. Just because everything is terrible doesn't mean everything will stay terrible. And so he inquires of the Lord and says, can we do this? Can we capture them? Can we overtake them? And is told, yes. And the travel is so hard that 200 of the 600 men that he takes with him can't. They, they don't have the strength to cross the valley. But he does have, with 400 men, they find this slave who's been discarded and cast off and left behind, who takes them along ahead. They defeat this raiding party, and they recover everything. Every single thing. There's nothing that they lose. There's no one that is precious to them that they lose. So they get this tremendous victory. But afterwards, they get this grumbling. No, some people don't deserve their part of the plunder because they were exhausted. They did not come with us. They did not take part in the fight. And David says, no, it wasn't our victory. We had no reason even to suspect we would have victory. Remember how, remember they were ready to stone David. They had so little hope. He's saying, this wasn't your victory. You didn't even have hope of victory. This was a victory that was given to you by God. You can't do this with God's victory. And he starts this new statute that those who stay behind with the supplies and those who fight, everyone shares alike. We see the leadership of David, who doesn't lose hope, who doesn't give up, who succeeds, and then who has the wisdom to deal with success the way it needs to be dealt with. And then finally, last chapter of the book, 1 Samuel 31, we get the death of Saul. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul. When the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all the men died together that same day. When the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw the Israelite army had fled, and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day the Philistines came to strip the dead. They found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head and stripped off his armor, and they sent messengers throughout the land of Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. 
When the people of Gabish Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men marched through the night to Bethshan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh, where they burned them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. Saul was the king of Israel for a while, but much of that time he had been told that it was David who was going to reign after him. Much of that time he'd been told his sons would not follow on after him. So this is not a huge surprise that Saul dies and his sons die. Saul was told just before this battle that he wouldn't survive it and his sons wouldn't survive it and they would all die on the same day. It's amazing. We give Saul a bad time because obviously he's not a good king. He's a half-hearted king. He's not a bad king completely. But he does certainly have his moments as he's chasing David hither and yon. But you have to see the courage that Saul is willing to fight, even though Saul knows that his death is certain, even though Saul knows that the victory is not within his reach. But he's defeated, and at this moment, Israel is defeated. And it appears at this point to the Philistines that their victory is complete. They defeated the king of Israel. But what they've really done is they've opened the way for the true king of Israel, for David, who will become king. And I wonder how much this episode and also the episode in the last chapter tell us a little bit about hope. Because in both of these chapters, it would appear that evil has won. It would appear that the victory of evil is complete. And yet, in both chapters, we're stopping the story too soon. Saul's defeat is not permanent defeat for Israel, because this will finally raise up David as king. And if the Philistines had known that, they may not have fought Saul. And in the last chapter, the raiding parties who've carried away everything that the people value, everything that David's men value, looks like complete defeat. You've lost everything, literally everything that you care about, every good that you have, every person that is special to you. And yet every single one, every single thing is restored. And I wonder sometimes if we give up before the story's over. Now, this story is not over. This is First Samuel. I'm still debating amongst myself. I'm not sure that I'm ready to jump into the study that I've talked about. So we may go on to Second Samuel or we may go on to a different study. Tune in next week to find out. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com or drop me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris Twex. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.